And uh, I want to do this announcement while you're going there. I want to tell you, we have had a huge blessing come our way. Um, and it's not directly to Pathway, but we are completely involved uh, just the way that it happens. So just so you know, this location we're sitting in right now is our fourth location since we started the church a year and a half ago. We started in our home with six people. It was me, my wife, my two boys, and my in-laws. And I literally, my first sermon that I got up and spoke was in my house to my wife and my two sons. And I preached like it was you guys sitting here today. I preached, and that was the first sermon. We went from there. We stayed there for about a month. And then God said, you need to get a place. So we moved into a place, and it was a very small place, probably a quarter the size of this room. So if you can picture just cutting a little quarter here. And we stayed there for about four months. And that's where Gabe and Lindsay started coming, and Tommy and Ronnie started coming, and a couple of the other brothers and sisters began to come. Then the Lord said, it's time to move again. So we ended up moving to this other location where we renovated and we got our, our hands dirty and we knocked down walls and we painted and we did all these things and it was awesome. And God provided chairs for that place, provided finances for that place. Probably about twenty dollars to $25,000 went into that place. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, it's time to move again. And the church that came in, the Lord said, you need to give them everything, only take the musical instruments. So we gave them somewhere around $15,000 worth of stuff, which is a huge blessing to a church, guys. You understand? It's a huge blessing. But only because God said so. We didn't do that for credit. We didn't do that for recognition. We didn't do that for anything. We did it because God said so. Then we found ourselves going through a very long trial. <laughs> it was only three weeks, but it felt like 300 years. But God allowed us to go through that trial to teach us what we needed to be taught to get us ready for what he was about to do. And by the miraculous provision of God, we landed here. And the pastor of the Spanish-speaking church, Nueva Vision, which is their logos over on the side there in the banners, they are buying this building. It's their building. But they're under my bishop. We have the same covering, and it just so happened that we're, we're in line with everything. Well, seven years ago, I met a man by the name of John Shabaglian. And we did some music together. And if you guys don't know me from my past, I used to do rap. And that's what I did was, was Christian rap. And I traveled and did a bunch of evangelistic work. And I met a man and we did music together. And it was awesome. And his wife, Andrea Shabaglian, uh, started a ministry years ago called Made for Them. And what they do is they take people who are in human trafficking situations, women, and they rescue them from human trafficking. And then they give them jobs during the day making soap to sell overseas, sell here, whatever, all kinds of different stuff. And they employ them. It's a beautiful ministry, and it's a powerful ministry. They do much more than just that. But they called me one day while I was well, obviously here. This was probably about two weeks ago, week and a half, two weeks ago, and began to inquire about some things here. Long, long story short, through the provision of God and really just what God is doing, um, you're going to see a, a makeover on these grounds. And um, basically, we're coming into partnership with them, and they're going to begin to operate out of this facility as well. So the whole made-for-them ministry is going to be here. You're going to see a building come up. They're going to build a building over here uh, in the parking lot. You're going to see landscaping being done, paint happening. I mean, you're just going to see a lot of stuff going on. I can't tell you the figure because it, I don't know for sure how much. I've heard a number, and it's just a large number, what God is doing to invest in this piece of land. 
What you need to understand, and the reason why I'm sharing this with you, is because none of that was done by the work of man. Even though man was being used to move here and there and say yes to God and do this and that from the Made for the Ministries to Nueva Vision to now Pathway Family Church, even the people who built this property from the beginning didn't know that God was about to do something in this place. They had no idea the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was about to happen at 4141 North Fresno Street. They had no idea. And you're in the middle of something that is bigger than you. It's bigger than me. Because it's Christ. It's the kingdom of God. It's not just something people are doing. There is no campaigning and trying to raise money. No, nothing against that. But there is only the will of God. If God is for you, What's the next part? Who can be against you? Not even you. And so you're going to see some stuff happen. It's going to be awesome. Because of all of this, we're going to gear up towards uh, having our first outreach during the Halloween season. We don't know what we're calling it yet. But we are going to do an outreach in this neighborhood around that time. We're going to plan for next Easter to do something in this neighborhood around that time. And during that time, we're going to hold men's breakfast, women's, whatever they want to call it, and family breakfast. And our family breakfast is going to be something where we reach out to this neighborhood over here and we invite them to come just to have a meal and hear the gospel. So very simple, but it's going to happen. Now, you can be a part of it. You don't have to be. It doesn't matter. This ain't a recruiting session. But if God puts it in you, you will be there. Hands down. If God is, is in your heart stirring you to do something, just come talk to me. Come talk to Michelle and just say, hey, I, whenever that stuff starts happening, here's my number. Here's my contact. Call me or whatever you want to do, and we'll call you. We'll call you. Whether we need to uh, you know, get our hands dirty and you know, tear something down or build something. Or, I'm, not a, I'm not a carpenter, so I, I leave that to my father-in-law. He's the one that does all that. So you won't see me building anything. I'll just give me a hammer. I just tell me where to hammer. So if, you, if that's you. Welcome to the club, right? We're cool. Uh, but God is going to do some things, and I'm excited about it. So <clears throat> I just wanted to let you guys know so you're not wondering what's going on when you start seeing everything happen. March 15th is when they're going to start doing whatever they're doing here. So it's going to be awesome. So we got to be flexible at that, too, because if for some reason we have to have a service in another room or, or whatever, we will. Okay? Matthew 7, 13. Let's read this together before we get into it. Let's ready our hearts, amen? Say this with me. I confess with all my awareness, with all my understanding, that I need God. Without Him, I can do nothing. Without Him, I can be nothing. Without Him, I am nothing. Without Him, I have no way, I have no truth, I have no life. Say it like you mean it. Through Christ, I find freedom. Through Christ, I find peace. Through Christ, I can do all things. Through Christ, again, I guess we've got to go to the next slide. <laughs> Unless God wants us to say it again. I was made with purpose. I was made with a plan. My purpose is to know God, and his plan is to know me. He did not create me for earthly pleasure, but I was created only because he is loving. By knowing that, I now confess my life is not my own. I don't belong to me. I belong to God. And so I surrender. I surrender my thoughts. Say that again. I surrender my will. I surrender my life. 
As long as now is now, I will choose to live for God. And more importantly, I choose to let God live through me. Father, I pray right now over your word that I would not speak as a man. I pray right now over the listener, over everyone who is taking in what it is you're about to say, that their hearts would be exactly where they are. That when the word comes forth, if there needs to be conviction, do the convicting, Lord. If there needs to be transformation, do the transformation, Lord. If there needs to be edification, edify, Father. If there needs to be encouragement, encourage, Lord. Let your will be done tonight. And let your word fall where it needs to fall. In Jesus' name, amen. So I said to myself as I was preparing this word, and um, I'm, I'm going to shotgun through this word just so you know. There's a lot of scripture. If, if you got notes in your phone, you're going to want to take notes because it's going to move pretty quickly. And you want to make sure you take away what God is stirring in your heart. Number one, because you're not going to remember it two weeks from now. Right? Do you remember the, the sermon that was preached three weeks ago? Right now, somebody. It doesn't happen. You, that's, thank God for being able to store our records, right? <clears throat> but if you don't write it down... You're minimizing your ability to comprehend it and take it in. And if you write it down, you increase the ability to retain what's being said. And so you want to you wanna do that because I'm going to shotgun through this message. But I asked myself, I said, if this were my last message, if, if after tonight we left this place and I went home to be with the Lord, what would I want to say? And I made a commitment to God, a recommitment, I should say, to God that I never want to preach a sermon that leaves somebody hanging in the balance. I always want to preach a word that will change the life of the individual. I never want to have questions. Like, I wonder if, no, I want it to be final that that person knows at the end of that word if they're right with God or not. What would be the sermon? And so the Lord took me to Matthew 7. And starting in verse 13, it says this. You can enter God's kingdom only. Say only. Everybody. Say only. Because it's important for you to know that it's the only way. Very important. How many, who, who plays sports in here? Who plays sports in here? What'd you play? What, what, what sport did you play? You played soccer. How many times did they have you train the same thing over and over and over? How, how many times? Like all the time? Like every practice? Yeah, every practice? Did you have to kick a ball every practice? <laughs> Was there a soccer ball involved at all? There are some basic fundamentals in football, basketball, golf. I played those. I didn't play soccer because I didn't like running that long. But there's basic fundamentals in all these things in life that help build the rest of everything that's in the sport. Do you understand? So the ball and kicking the ball is a basic fundamental. As you do it with repetition, you can become better at it or an expert at it. Well, in the kingdom of God, if you don't have the basics... You're lost. And here's the basics. There's only one way. No, you don't get to determine the definition of the one way. 
No, you don't get to say what it looks like, what he looks like, how he operates. Your life, your mind, your will, your emotions, your existence comes subject to the only way. There is no other way. You cannot get into heaven by speaking in tongues. You cannot get into heaven by being baptized. You cannot get into heaven by going to church. You cannot get into heaven by reading your Bible. You can only get into heaven through Jesus Christ. And I know it's hard at first to see that because that's what makes what I'm about to read true. Because it's hard to see that at first. It takes God to show you. So it says this. You can enter God's kingdom. Does anybody want to enter God's kingdom? I don't know about you, but you know, I want to be in the kingdom of God. Only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gate to life, the gateway to life is very narrow. Say very narrow. Get your mind there real quick. Think of the most, all right, big, the big guys like me, you know what I mean? Just, you know, there's some narrow spaces, you know what I'm saying? Like your attic or like, but think of the most narrow place, right? It's a very narrow, how many people can typically fit in a narrow place? One at a time. The most narrow place would be that no one else can go through but you. Narrow, very narrow. And it says this. And the road is what? It's what? It's difficult. And only few ever find it. That's what the scriptures say. So if I had one sermon to say, it would be this. It'd be that Jesus is narrow, meaning... It means a lot of things, but I'm going to make it very simple for you. So when we get into this word, you're able to say, okay, this word, I have to go through Jesus to understand this. I can't go through my own broad thinking, my own broad way of thinking. I have to narrow myself down to letting Jesus speak to me right now. I have to surrender my heart and go through Jesus to get what this word is for me tonight. And if you can surrender in that way, God is faithful to meet you there, and he will pull you through this narrow, difficult road. Amen? And you'll go through it unscathed. You'll go through it untouched, without a spot and without a wrinkle. You'll go through it no problem with Jesus. Amen? Only few find it because the broad way, you're born into it. It's the world. It's human reason, it's intellect, it's knowledge, it's all these things you're born into. Everyone's born into it. The narrow way is born of the Spirit. You have to be born again. You have to be born again. If you're not born again, you're not in the narrow way. So the narrow way is by the Spirit of God, and you would say, well, how do I get the Spirit of God? Man, I wish I could flip a coin and make it happen. But the reality of it is, I'm going to preach to you a message tonight on desires of the heart. And at the end of that message, and even throughout the message, you're going to be challenged with where you are, and who you are, and who God is. And through the message only can you start hearing the knocking. 
And when that knocking begins, and it might have started during worship, you have to open the door. You have to allow Jesus into your life, and then you'll understand. I can't explain it to you before then. Do you understand that? I know it's hard for the person who's like, Ugh, you're on the fence. It's going to be that way until you surrender. Once you surrender, God will show you what this all means. Amen? So for the one who's saved, that's easy to understand, right? But the, for the one who's lost, it's very difficult because you, you are being presented with the gospel for the first time. So that's as, as, as far as I'm going to go with that. This would be my last sermon. It would be Matthew 7, 12 and 13, and I would tell you that Jesus is the only way. That's the only sermon I can, I can really preach at the end of my life. So hopefully I communicate that through this message. Psalm 37, verse 4. Go there with me. And there's going to be sections of Scripture tonight that we're going to actually turn to. Um, and then there'll be others that I have up on the screen. Because I think it's important that all of us not rely on technology so much that we don't know where to find things if, if we were without it. We should be able to search through the Scriptures and find where these books are. Um, very important. So we're going to do that from time to time where we actually have to turn to the scriptures. So Psalm 37, verse 4. Desires of the heart. Here we go. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. How many of you guys have heard that scripture before? Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. I, I was reading this, and I was like, why are people so quick to emphasize getting their heart's desires? And they're not quick to emphasize delighting in the Lord. Why do we go past one scripture and get to the next as if the first wasn't there? I said, what does it mean to delight in the Lord? And the word delight, there's two definitions for it. The first one is it's a noun, which is take pleasure, right? Take pleasure in the Lord. That makes sense. But there's a second definition, which is a verb. And it actually means to please someone greatly is how it says it. So when, you, when the delight is a verb, it's this action that you're taking, you're, you're looking to please someone greatly or to be, that it's pleasing someone greatly. Same thing. But the verb is to please someone greatly. And I was thinking, man... We can delight in the Lord, take great pleasure in the Lord. That's like uh, Sister Charisse, loving to be in worship, right? There's this moment of just pleasure in God. It's something that she taps into very easily. But there's another aspect of saying, you know what? I want God to be pleased. I don't want to just be somebody who takes pleasure in God. I want God to take pleasure in me. That's a whole different place. Because then you go, oh, wait, let me get something right real quick. You know what I mean? When you think that way, you go, man, it's like uh, when you have a guest over, right? And you're like, man, pick up the newspaper. Pick up, I mean, you're just cleaning stuff up because you're trying to make it presentable. Well, when you look for God to take pleasure in you, there's only one way that you could be presentable. And it's through Christ. And this is what I mean about you know, when we try to clean ourselves up before we go to church or go to fellowship or go, you know, it, it doesn't make sense because you're still, you know, you can't, you can't do it enough. 
If I get close enough to your skin, I'm going to find a scar, right? You can't clean up enough, but with God, he sees all your vulnerabilities, all your failures. He sees all of your thoughts, all the wicked thoughts on your way to church. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he sees when you were at the stoplight and you had three minutes to think about something. He sees that when you were thinking about whatever you were thinking about. And then you say, I want God to take pleasure in me. You're like, man, it's impossible for him to take pleasure in me without Jesus. That I need him to see Christ's blood on me. I need him to see Christ's sacrifice over me. I need, to see, I need him to see the Lord. Amen? And so we see these scriptures and we say, I'm going to talk about that second half, but I wanted to really emphasize that first because all of us in here should want God to take pleasure in us. We should want to be presented before the Lord and he go, that's good. Not because we're good, but because we have the only one that's good on us, which is Christ. Amen. But the second part is he'll give us the desires of the heart. And you may not know this, but I'm going to show you it tonight, that there are two places where desires sit. You have desires that are temporary and worldly, and then you have desires that are eternal, spiritual. So you have fleshly desires, like I'm really hungry right now, and I want to feed myself. But then you have spiritual desires that sometimes and most often are desires that bring conviction to the flesh part of you. That when the spiritual desires come, they rarely are separate from fleshy desires. Oftentimes and most times, they're at war against each other. Would you agree? That's why when you go into a church service, you know if what the pastor is preaching is of God or of the flesh based on your comfortability. No man of God should preach a scripture or a sermon that doesn't convict the heart of man. Even saying God is love should convict you. It shouldn't just be like, oh, that's so good. There's moments when God takes away the natural, but for the most part, it will always kill what is carnal, what is fleshly. It will always kill that. And you don't see it in even Jesus' life of him finding moments where he was at total peace. God bless you, brother. That he was at total peace with anything. Most often you found he was in turmoil, right? So there's these desires. There's desires that please God, and there's desires that do not please God. And I know some of us are sitting here right now and like, I got it. <sighs> Right? There can sometimes be that. I've heard this before. This is a little elementary. But sometimes we need to learn to kick the ball again. Sometimes we need to go back to basics, as Ray says to me. Back to basics, right? So what does, it, what does not please God? Put that up on the screen. I want to I wanna visualize that question. Phil. What does not please God? 
It's very easy to go into what, does, what pleases God. And the reason why I want to put this first is this hopefully will show you that you can't work your way to pleasing God. That what actually pleases God is God. You know, I've been saying to you in Philippians 2.13, it is God in us working to do what pleases him. Right? So hopefully we'll go through that. I want to go to Ezekiel 18. Go ahead and switch the slide. Ezekiel 18.23, look what it says. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die? You know, you guys have heard me as, um, as I've been preaching. Uh, there's been sermons where I told you that God gives life and he kills he takes away. And how the scriptures talk that he gives and he takes away. That there's plenty of scriptures where he wipes out whole cities, right? But he says, do you think I like to see wicked people die? Says the sovereign Lord. Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. So what does not please God? Let's go to the next slide. James 1, 14 through 15. Temptation comes from our, what, own desires. Where does temptation come? Wait a minute, it comes from the devil. See, the devil can't tempt you where you're not already lusting. If you ain't already lusting after something, he ain't going to tempt you with it. He's going to tempt the one thing, the two thing, the five things, all the things that you lust after. Our own desires. And what does it do? Which entice us and drag us Away. Now, let me just clarify that if you're spirit-filled, it doesn't do that. If you're spirit-filled, that enticing turns into an offering. Somebody better say amen to me because I know we're feeling conviction right now. Because we're like, no, I've been in the spirit and I and went and did something wrong. Yes, I know that. But did you have conviction along the way? How'd you feel the whole way? And then after, how'd you feel? Oh, man, I was just, just horrible. Because the Spirit of God is grieving. But there's conviction. And doesn't that, isn't that how it starts? And then eventually you give it up, right? You're like, I'm done going around this mountain. But then you pick up something else. I'm done going around this mountain. Then you pick up something else. But what ends up happening is you start sinning less over time. Because now your enticement, this flesh, becomes an offering to God because you're no longer feeding it based on its temptations. You're now walking in the Spirit. Amen. So I don't want nobody to get freaked out like, man, I'm, I'm way behind, man. No, you're right where God has you, and he's working it out. Watch this. These desires. Now, the reason why I bolded this is because it's these desires, not these are the only desires. He's categorizing it and saying these are a certain type of desires. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when, and, not and, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to what? Well, the last scripture, he said, do you think I want wicked people to? So what doesn't please God? Let's go to the next one. Romans 5, 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought what? Death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. It's like this. If me and Michelle have a child, that child is already full of sin because we're full of sin. Very simple. If you're a Latino... You can't have a black baby. <laughs> Two Latinos come together, they make Latino babies, right? That's what it is. You're born into sin, you're going to have sin babies. That's just what it is. Watch this. What did God, what does not please God? Go to the next slide. I think there's one more. Is that it? Yeah. 
Romans 8, I love this. For the sinful nature says, say always. It's very important, guys. Slow it down. When you're reading the scripture, slow it down. Take a look at what you're actually reading so you can grab a hold of it. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Always. It never stops being hostile. Have you ever been in a hostile situation? And you just wanted it to stop? Ladies, talk to me real quick. I ain't going to look at the men. <laughs> but ladies, have you ever had that obsessive boyfriend? Like, you change your number, somehow they find it? <laughs> I mean, they won't stop inboxing your Facebook. Like, they're hunting you down. Hostility. You're like, leave me alone. He's like, no, right? I can't live without you. Yes, you can. Move on. No. That's what, the, that's, that's what the flesh is like. That's what the sinful nature is like. It's like, I'm not going to stop mocking you. I'm not going to stop antagonizing you. I'm not going to stop cursing your name. I'm not going to stop sinning before you. I'm not going to stop making idols. I'm not going to stop worshiping myself. This is what the sinful nature does always. Always. Your sinful nature is yelling at God. Blasphemous. Blasphemous things. Hatreds and slanders and envy and selfish ambition and conceit and arrogance and pride and all these things. Always. Look at what it says. It never did obey God's law and it never will. This is why you got to stop working to please God. Look, at, you're not going to please God by giving a homeless person food. It's not the act that pleases God. It's the heart that pleases God. And it's not your heart that pleases God. It's the heart of Jesus that pleases God. And this is why if the heart of Jesus is in you, you may not give them food. And it will please the Lord. Because it's not about the act of what you think is kindness. It's about obedience unto the Father. This is the truth. I'm teaching tonight. I'm teaching. I'm breaking. Look at That's why those, say those, who are still under the control, control is a very big word here, of their sinful nature can never please God. You can never please God in the flesh. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. It's impossible. But I worked so hard to raise that money to give to the church. I'm sorry, your money don't buy you into heaven. You cannot buy the Holy Spirit. You cannot buy freedom. You can't, I don't know why I'm saying this right now, but this is touching somebody. You cannot buy your way. Work your way. You cannot earn your way into the presence of God. He extends a gift through Jesus. And he says, give up your way. And you either accept that invitation or you don't. How weird would it look if there was a baby shower and you got invited and you showed up with something that had nothing to do with babies? But it's a gift. But it's not the gift that's acceptable. It's not an acceptable gift. You show up with two left shoes that are like 13 feet. And one day they'll grow into them. Makes no sense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know why I thought that way, but it may, it's not an acceptable gift because there's only one way to bring it, and it's on, it's on the list, right? 
And what do they do? They say, go to Babies R Us. I don't even think that's around anymore, but go to ba- Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know, somewhere, wherever the showers are. Not baby showers, but any type of shower. And they say, go here, go to the store. This is a gift, whatever. And you have to stay within what they're asking, right? Well, how much more with God? If God says Jesus is the only way, why are you trying to come over the fence? Why are you trying to buy your way in? You cannot. It will never please God. So what pleases God then? If, if we know now death does not please God, because that's the, the crux of sinful nature, right? Is that there's death. Why would a living God take pleasure in death? He's a living God. Amen? He's a living God. And you know the only thing that truly dies, that truly dies, comes from sin. So thank you, God, for the payment of Jesus Christ for our sins. Because now you don't have to do anything but worship him. So what pleases God? I want you to go to, in your Bible, go to Psalm 149. And I believe I have the scripture up there. Psalm 149, 4 through 5. Are you getting something out of this tonight? I mean, come on, don't make me put this stuff together in vain, man. I mean, I'm giving you the best of what I have, you know? So I pray it changes your life tonight. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you right now. Some people are like, don't, don't call him a ghost. <laughs> Stop being religious. <laughs> right? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Psalms 149, starting in verse 4 through 5, it says this. For the Lord delights in his people. Look at that. Whose people? Very important. In his people. He crowns the humble with victory, let the faithful rejoice that he honors them and let them sing for joy as they lie in their beds. As we're resting, may we sing, thank you, Lord. Adonai, right? Love flows within. Like, may we worship God because he takes pleasure in us and his people. Now, let's go to Let's figure out who his people are. Go to Psalm 147, which is just a couple chapters over, starting in verse 10. And I'm going to start jumping through scriptures very quickly. Psalm 147, starting in verse 10, and it says this. He takes no pleasure. Say no pleasure. If God says no pleasure, you think he's going to change his mind? Probably not. He takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse. Listen to this next phrase. Or in human might. He takes, I'm going to preach over here because, look it, he takes no pleasure in human might. You know what might is, right? Like, we're men. We know what might is. Somebody tries to touch my wife, he might get slapped, right? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But human might, human effort, human effort. It says right here, God takes no pleasure in human effort. This is, this is so tough for a person who has been checking the box for so many years, right? Like, but I spend three hours a day in prayer and I fast. Check. God takes no pleasure in your check mark. I didn't say he didn't take pleasure in the prayer. Because there may be something going on in that prayer that has nothing to do with you, right? And is advancing the will of God. But he takes no pleasure in the effort, the might of man. 
This is very important. We have to, I feel like I should just have an altar call right here. <laughs> like anybody who wants to surrender their human effort, you know what I mean? Like we should probably give our lives to God. Oftentimes we give our hearts to Jesus the first time, but we don't give our hearts to him again and again and again. And we should. Human effort does not please God. So what does then? Because, you know, it feels like that's all we have. Like all we can do is show up to church. Well, this isn't being done by human effort. You might have got in your car and showed up here. That's not the piece that's pleasing God. What's pleasing God is your response to the word right now. Is, is your heart saying, I don't, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I don't care what you do, Lord, as long as you're doing it. As long as it's you that's doing the work. I just am at your feet. Go to Romans 15. Oh, this is so good. And you know what? For, I'll probably go on my phone just to save myself time. Romans 15. The desires of the heart. It's, it's an interesting uh, focal point. But Romans 15, starting in verse 17, and look at what it says. So I have reason to be enthusiastic. Isaac, do you have reason to be enthusiastic? You have lots of reasons, right? Papa, you have reason to be enthusiastic? Look at He says, Paul says, I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Who has he given the glory to? He's giving it to God. He's not saying, I have so much enthusiasm because I came out with a hit record last week in the name of Jesus. <laughs> no. All the work that Christ Jesus is doing. You see this? Now watch what pleases the Lord. Verse 18. Yet I dare not say, I dare not. Boast about anything. Michelle, we dare not boast about anything. Look at this, except, so that means there is some boasting. That means we can boast, but who do we boast in? That's right, come on. Except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message, and he can say my message because he already gave the glory to God. He's letting you know he's not taking the glory. By my message, it's like saying, by this, this thing God gave me to steward. Not, it's like I came up with it. Watch. And by the way I worked among them, what pleases God? Now, you might say, when, as I'm reading these scriptures, well, it pleases God to work in, you know, or it pleases God to do these things. To No, there's a theme. He boasts in who? I said, what does God, what is he not pleased with? Death. So the opposite of what he's pleased with is his people. He said his people, right? But what in his people? And what, say it again. You better say it like you're alive, though. It's life. Where are my brothers and sisters at that are living victorious in the life of Christ? Huh? That are done living year after year after year moping. God, when are you going to bring me breakthrough? Are you kidding me? You have Christ. He is the breakthrough. We got to get up from there. We got to get up from there. You can, you can applaud. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, I mean, no, you can give God praise, man. 
It don't matter if you're alone in your car. Sometimes I look crazy. I know it. My son reminds me. <laughs> Nathaniel's like, Dad, sometimes, because they'll be driving next to me and they'll be seeing me do weird things. You know, like driving with no hands. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but sometimes I'm crying in my car. And I'm in the presence of God, and I know it's not so, you know, and I'm trying to get it off me, and the people next to me at the stoplight, I'm like this. I'm like, don't look, because it looks weird. And, and there was one time I literally was working, and I was in a, in a doctor's office at the time. I was doing some advertising, and I was in the doctor's office. There's people everywhere. And I literally was under the presence of God, and I just couldn't stop crying. Why are you laughing at me? And, they, and people were, are you okay? I'm fine. And I'm like, crying. Like, what's wrong? God is good. I mean, they just think you're weird. Because there's life in you. And it's beyond success and popularity and all these other things the world tries to chase after. And even people who claim to be Christians chase after. It's, it's beyond that. It's a, it's a relationship with the living God. It's a relationship with the living God. He is pleased with his people who have the thing he's pleased with. Now watch this. Desires change when you're with the Lord. Go to Galatians chapter 1. What is God pleased with? Galatians chapter 1 starting in verse 10. And I'm just going to keep moving, so forgive me if, if you're not there right away. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of who? People. Obviously, can you, can you say in your life right now that you are obviously not trying to please people? Be real. Is it an obvious thing that it's clear that you're not trying to please people? He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, He's basically smacking everybody with this line right here. He's saying, he's putting everybody in check that are doing that. Because he's saying, if I were, I would not be Christ's servant. Think about that. If I were pleasing people, the moment I go into trying to please a person, I turn from trying to please the Lord. You cannot do both. You cannot do both. And you guys remember two weeks ago when I preached out of 1 Samuel, or two or three weeks ago, 1 Samuel 15, and Saul, he was given specific instructions to kill everything. Everything was to be wiped out. Babies, everything. And he didn't. He kept the king alive. He kept the fatted portions alive. And when Samuel came back and addressed Saul, what was his reason? I was afraid of the people. I was afraid of what they were going to say and do. At the end of it, that's what he came down to, and he got stripped. Do you remember that? Because you cannot please God and man. You will serve one and hate the other. You would despise one and serve the other and love the other. Let me take it a step further. I'll just say, I'm just going to say it like I know your names, right? Sally, Mia, Paul. Sandra, I forgot your names already, but both of you over there, <laughs> Amaya, Elisha, 
Ja, Elijah. I know he's been big on that. Tommy, Ronnie. Truthfully, it's not just pleasing people, it's pleasing yourself. Because you are included in people. And oftentimes we disconnect ourselves from that. We, we cast judgment outwardly instead of letting it fall first on the house of God. And don't you know the scriptures say, you are the house of God? Let judgment start with the house of God. That's me, brothers and sisters. Let it all start with me. May I be a house that is pleasing to the Lord. Amen? Hebrews chapter 11. I'm almost done. <sighs> Desires. Where are they flowing from? The flesh? The spirit? What does God take pleasure in? Do you want to be somebody who pleases the Lord? Who both is pleased with the Lord and is pleased, is pleasing in the Lord's sight? Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 6, says this, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The rewards are not driven by the desires of the flesh. Those rewards are eternal. Can I ask you a question? Young people, what would you rather have? And be honest, be a little mature for me right now. But what would you rather have? A Lexus or peace? In this life, would you rather have a house or love? Can't have both. What would you pick? See, that's the difference between the rewards that God gives versus what the world gives. Your house will fall apart. Eventually will not stand. Your car will rust. But peace and love last forever. Amen? Very important to come to that. Look at it. Go to uh, chapter 13. Hebrews 13. And go to verse 20 and 21. What is... God take pleasure in, right? We, we see this, that there's this common theme amongst these scriptures that are pointing somewhere. They're pointing somewhere. Look at verse 20 and 21. It says this, Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with, with, wait a minute, am I reading the right ones? Yes. Uh, with his blood. May he equip you. May who equip you? God, he, watch this, equip you with all you need, period? No. For doing what? His will. Okay, let's keep reading. May he produce in you. May who do it? He do it. God, we keep trying to make ourselves look good. We try to floss in the spirit. <laughs> we do. I mean, if, if like peace... If patience were a chain, it, some of us have a fat chain, right? We'd be like, wary. But so we try to floss in the spirit. We try to look strong, but it's not us that's producing it. He takes no pleasure in human effort, right? It's him that produces in you what? Through the power of who? 
Jesus Christ. Every good thing that is pleasing to him. Think about that. God is producing in you through the power of Jesus Christ everything that is pleasing to him. So who's producing it? It's God. So are you seeing now? Watch this. How can I have this God-pleasing desire? Because what's, in the, what's, what's happening at this moment is we're realizing that Christ is all God takes pleasure in. That none of this can be done. You are not looked at separate from the Lord. When God looks upon you, He doesn't see you and then Jesus. When He looks at you, He sees Christ. He don't see you. And we don't like that. Yo, if you was in court and you had a triple murder case and they wanted to see you, but somebody else stepped in and said, I'll take the penalty, you'd want them to see them, not you. If somebody else stepped into your life and made things right, and you no longer had to earn it, you don't want to be seen by the judge. You wait outside. And when, the, when whoever took your place comes out, you're like, thank you so much. You want to be seen by them because they did it for you. But you want them to be seen by the judge. See, what Jesus did is he stepped in and took in the payment. He took on it, the whole thing, all your sin. You don't want God to look upon you because you're not sufficient. But Jesus is, and he took the payment. And so you know what? I'm thankful. Say, I'm thankful that God don't see me. <laughs> I know some of us, the, the brain exploded. It's like, wait a minute. I thought, I thought I was supposed to have this relation. Yeah, through his son. Through his son. Because without Jesus Christ in between that, you in a whole lot of trouble. So how can I get this then? I mean, I want to work for it, right? Can I pray long enough? Can I do something? What do I got to do? Receive it. Open your heart and receive it. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to bring it up on the screen. How can I get God-pleasing desires? Ephesians 6, 6 says, try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. And he's talking about serving in the ministry here, okay? As slaves of Christ, this is what the scriptures say. Now, how many of us want to be a slave? You know what a slave is? Like in our mind, all we have is the idea of what the world paints a slave as, which is, you know, the horrific uh, his history of the African-American culture going through slavery. That's all we really have these days. But let me tell you something. Is Christ good? Is he a good master? Does he abuse the sheep? He loves us. I want to be a slave to that. I have no problem. Tell me where to go, what to do. Tell me what towel to pick up, what dishes to put away. I don't care because you're good. I ain't got nothing to worry about with you. But this is how I get into a God-pleasing mode. Have any of you guys ever wondered how to do that? Truly. Like, how do I please God? Have you ever asked that question? How do I please God? Get out of the way. Stop trying to please God. He's already taken pleasure somewhere. And you ain't got to do nothing to get it. Be a slave to Christ. 
ask the Lord. Go to the next one. Watch this. Galatians 5.17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. It's just the opposite. So the spirit doesn't want to do evil. And the spirit gives us what? So are they your desires? They're not yours. See, that's what I'm saying. we got to get in a place to say, I don't want my desires anymore because there's a whole set of desires that works. It's fixed in place already. There's nothing lacking there. Amen? That are opposite of the sinful nature. And we saw what the sinful nature does. Temptation comes, leads us astray, death is produced. When the Spirit gives you desires, life comes. And all kinds of good things from there is produced. Let's go to the next one. How do I get these? Romans 8, 2. And because you belong to who? You don't belong to yourself anymore. You're a slave to Christ. The Spirit is giving you desires. Come on, somebody, help me preach. The Spirit's giving you desires, and you belong to who? Him. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Let me just put it into context. Let me put it into context. You are an American. In this life, you can't live by the rules of Canada. You can't live by the rules in China or Japan. You're in a capitalist country. You can't live by communist rules. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You think you're free, but you go run seven red lights and see if you ain't going to get stopped by a cop. You think you're free, but there's rules set all around you, isn't there? Isn't there? So you don't belong to yourself. Somebody got to help me. Papa, please, you served in Vietnam. You know what I'm saying. When you went over there, you had to do what they told you to do. He didn't go to Vietnam and start shooting Americans in his plane. That would have been crazy. He would have been court-martialed or whatever it is. I think that's what it is. Right? But he can't play by his own. You are not. You don't belong to you. Not even in the natural sense. Go ahead and try to create another country within America and see how that... Revolt. Go ahead. Anarchy. It ain't going to happen. That's what I'm saying. So wake up, right? Help me right now. Come to life with me right now. Because you don't belong to you. You don't belong to you. If that's in the natural sense, how much more is that in the spiritual sense? In the spiritual sense. You think you can get away from your flesh? I belong to him. And because I belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit, not me, not me, Christ, the spirit of God has freed you. Man, I love that word. I'm free. If there's anybody truly free in this life, it's a believer in Jesus, a follower of Christ. I am free from the power of sin that leads to death. I'm free. I'm free. I don't know about you, but I am free. God, I love you. Oh, it's so good. Go to the next one. Look at this. Romans 8 9. But you are not controlled. Say control. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are what? Oh, we don't like control, huh? Don't control me. No, you want the Spirit to control you. Oh, you want the Spirit of God to control you. You want the Spirit of God stopping you in the supermarket. 
You want the Spirit of God stopping you from going your normal route to work. You want the Spirit of God stopping you in your tracks. You want the Spirit of God controlling you. Trust me on this. You do not want to be in control, under the control of anything else. Only God. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And this is why I say, are you born again? This is why the, the, the altar call of Jesus is happening right now. Maybe I need to give my life again. Go to the next one. Matthew 17, 5. But even as he spoke, and this is so good, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, and this is the Father, this is my dearly loved Son. If the words are coming from the sky, <laughs> many of you guys know the testimony of me and my wife, right? You guys know the testimony where I said, you're going to have to tell her, and I didn't know that God was going to literally speak audibly to Michelle and say that I was her husband. I had no idea that that was going to actually happen. But when she heard the voice... And she looked around, and it was from God. She probably should listen. Heaven opened up. Jesus was standing there. A voice came from a cloud, Gabe, and it spoke to the people. And look at what he said. He said, this is my son. Yo, this is the one. This is him. And he says, who brings me what? So what pleases God? That's it. We got to get there. And then what does he say? Listen to him. You know, that, that, that's a command. It's not a suggestion. Like maybe you should try this out. <laughs> Listen to him. Some of us are not listening to God. It's always been Christ. Let's go to, let's go to the next one. John 8, 9, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus. Now, this is the woman who's caught in the act of adultery. She's brought to Jesus because they want him to stone her so they can have a reason to arrest him. And he says, he without sin, right? When the, the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until who? Only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. You're right now in the middle of a crowd. But where are your accusers? See, everybody who was left there in that crowd, listen to what I'm about to say, because this is a very prophetic word. It's a very profound word, and it's a now word. Everybody who was left in that crowd was left alone with Jesus. So you are in a crowd alone with the Lord. It's only Jesus in you. And he is dealing with each and every one of us where we are right now. He's working with you. Very important. Go to the next one. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater, even greater, is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Where does righteousness come from? God. He gives it to you. Through who? For all who received it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. It's always been Christ. 
It is Christ. And it will always be Christ. That will never change. Christ is here now. He's alive. He's living. He's speaking through me. He's speaking through you to you. He's speaking. And I'm just saying to you, like, look, look at what's your name again? Gavino. You've been to church before. You've had altar calls before. People say, this would be the time, right? We go, now if there's anybody in the audience. No, I'm not going to do that. We don't need to do that. Because God knows where your heart is. And you are not here to profess anything before men. You're here to show yourself to God. And at the end of the day, any of us can leave this building and not change. I don't care if you pray a thousand prayers. You know how many altar calls I've been a part of where the same people come up every single time? And I'm going, what are you getting this time that's different than last time? Because it's the same altar call, but it was no change. Why? Because they weren't born again. And here's the truth. You're going to walk from this place with the message that you have actually heard for the first time with clarity. I mean, it's clear to you. You're like, there's so many things that are falling off your mind by this one message right here. Or you're like, I never saw it that way before. Never heard it that way before. Because God is meeting you. I don't, need to, I don't need to be know exactly what that is. I just know God is meeting you. And I don't know why every time Isaac brings somebody, I got a word for them. I have no idea. It's weird. But clearly God is doing something in your life. But right here, right now, at this very moment, I'm standing before you with so much clarity. Like the Spirit of God is speaking to me about so many things right now. And you need to know that God is real. You need to know that this isn't just a sermon you've come to tonight. But the kingdom of God has come to you. That you think you came to a place. But God brought you to this building and this place to actually bring something to you. To bring himself to you. And so I pray that you don't leave the same. I pray that you don't run from God. I pray that if there's anything that you're not sure of, you would surrender your uncertainty. Forget about the answer. Surrender your uncertainty and trust that God will teach you. Trust the Lord. And if you're here and you've been looking for a church, I know that a brother and sister came up and said, we've been looking for a church. I pray you found one. I pray you found the church, not pathway, but the church of Jesus Christ. That way, if you ever come back or not, you will know the difference between what belongs to the Lord and what everything else is. And you would be able to discern the difference. But if you came here and you are looking for a true body of believers, you ain't found one truer than this. I'll tell you that right now. God is with us. God is with us. So I want to pray. And um, I actually have, I have a really strange word. And I have to give it to you. But Gabe and Lindsay, you've been walking with us for a while and just get ready. I called you, and actually now I'm being reminded why God's stirring me right now, because I told you about the gifts that God wants to give you. Gabe, you better start asking, because God's going to pour out his spirit on you. Man, just get ready. Just get ready. You guys are now 
position to believe God for anything. Like he has done so much in your lives that it's undeniable he exists. It's undeniable he's, he's with you. And I just really want you to know, specifically, God wants you to fast. God wants you to pray. God wants you to get into your prayer closet. I'm talking like go into prayer war room or whatever that movie is, right? War room. Get a closet. Get a space. Put the things up. Just start letting God cast vision through you. Because God wants to begin to show you the future so that way when you see it come to pass, you know that it was him. The other reason why is because there's going to be great adversity. You're going to face adversity unlike any other time because you have said yes to the call of God. You might end up snake bitten like the scriptures, right? Not literally, but you guys get what I'm saying. I know there's some newer people in here, so I don't want you to think we handle rattlesnakes or anything because we don't. Jake the snake ain't in the back. Trust me, it's good. But you're going you're gonna to go through things. Loss of family. Loss of friends. You're going to, loss of jobs. There's going to be things that happen around you. And you're going to need God to sustain you. And he will. He's made it clear. He's with you. He's going he's gonna to sustain you. But you now need to create that space that God is saying. He'll tell you how tall to build it. How wide to build it. He'll tell you what space to use. You understand what I mean? But however you got to do it, do it as unto the Lord because he is truly doing something now in preparation for what's to come. It's in that place that you're going to find intimacy with God that you aren't going to get anywhere else. It's in that place that a lot of gifts are going to be given to you where God is going to meet you. And you know what? Even as I'm saying that, you know, Esther, you know what I'm talking about. You know that intimacy with, with God. And so if you ever find yourself whatever you're going through in that time, turn to people like Sister Esther that understand what it means to intercede. Go to my mother-in-law who understands what it means to war against the enemy. Man, I feel the presence of God. And, and just be ready because God's going to use you. And you will preach the gospel and you will be used in a mighty way with the declaration of the word. So, take that devil, boom, right? So Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. And we ready our hearts for what's to come. Help us, Lord, to fellowship with one another in love. Help us to be sensitive to one another's needs and where we are, Lord, and begin to move in this body of believers for your glory. We surrender our hearts and lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen.